0: So the topic for today really has to do with just people pleasing, and if there's a topic that I can relate to quite honestly and I don't know if in any man really we want to admit that but it's probably been me I've probably need to long to be loved and accepted by others in fact I'll be honest with you I think preachers are the sickest I think we're the worst when it comes to this and I've heard pastors say with you I don't care what people think and I go you are a liar I mean, stand up in front of people every single week. You, you want people to like you. I don't care what anybody says. And if you say anything any different, I'm just not buying what you're selling. But you have to be secure in knowing that you're doing what God wants and not just trying to please people. But it's been a struggle for me over the years, especially in those early years of ministry. And it's so funny. I, here's what I wrote. I wrote, I think that we all struggle from time to time with at least three fears when it comes to people. Huh. I don't know if you struggle with it or not, to be honest with you but I know I do. I don't know if you struggle with these three fears when it comes to people, but I know I have. And sometimes I still do struggle. And the first one is simply this, the fear of being found out. Do you ever struggle with the fear of being found out? It was certainly my greatest fear for those first few years I was in the ministry. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I thought for those first few few years, I probably would cuss. I just did. I thought I'd get excited. I mean, you just don't know my former life. I mean, when I was away from Jesus, I was a long way away from Jesus. And so when I got into church, like I jumped back into church, and then I was called to ministry. And, and I think that there were people that knew me. They, they thought I was probably going to slip, <laughs> you know. and That's not good if you're a pastor. It's just, it's just not appropriate, you know. And, and so I would, think, I would think, you know what, if my people knew who I really was, if you knew how human that I really am, you knew the thoughts that I had during the week, if you knew the things that I said. And quite honestly, if you knew the things that I did, my thought would always be if you ever found out, if you ever really found out, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't show up on a Sunday. So the fear of being found out plagued me for a long time. But that fear is as old as Adam and Eve. In fact, Genesis three and because literally, I finished this message this morning about 7 o'clock. There are no scriptures that's going to be on the screen. That's, I, I would never do that to a team of people to overwhelm them with a workload on a Sunday morning. I just wouldn't do that. So I didn't. So if you're interested and you need these verses, then I'll be glad to get them to you later. But Genesis 3 verse 8 says it like this. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. If you're new to church, you probably know their story. They sinned against God and in their fear have been found out. They did what we often do, right? Do you ever struggle? Do you ever worry that if people really knew who you were? Have you ever been concerned that fear that concerns you? You want to please people. You want to appease people. You want for people to be loving and kind and and generous and so because of that then you put on a a facade really it's not really who you are at all and you're scared to death that somewhere somewhere along the lines somebody's going to find out who you actually are so i know i've struggled with the fear and been found out and then i think there's the fear of being singled out i'll never forget uh, many 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 years ago when i was a college student um my best buddy, my friend, uh, my roommate of mine, we decided that we one night we'd go to a revival at a Level Church, which I'm sure that all what all young college students do. That's not what all young college students do. And to be quite honest with you, I didn't even like church. It's the truth. I probably shouldn't say it, but I should have worked on this. It's God's fault. He should have given me more time to work on the message, right? But I got to be honest, I didn't like church. I didn't like church. I didn't like religious people. They made me really uncomfortable. I was certainly, you know, uh, fearful that they would find me out, but I also had this fear of being singled out even when I went to church. And so this night, but I fell in love with Jesus. I wanted to know more about him. And so I thought, well, it sounds like a, maybe a good thing to do would be to actually go to church. I wasn't sure. And against my better judgment, I decided to go to church. So my buddy and I, we went to this church. And I, it, for me, I don't remember, I couldn't tell you now, but in my mind, it was a huge church. And it was packed. And the senior pastor got up, and here's what he said. No kidding. He said, we were minding our own business. Everything was going really good. And the senior pastor got up, and he said, I want everybody that's a visitor just to raise your hand. I thought, oh. And I thought, I ain't raising my hand. No, sir, I'm not raising my hand. You're not going to get me. And so, you know, my buddy said, oh, come on, come on. I said, we slipped up her hand. He said, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start over here. And everybody that is a visitor, that if you slipped up your hand, I want you to stand up. I like to swallow my tongue. My heart started beating. My hands started sweating. I started saying bad things again. Okay, I was cussing that man. I'm just saying I was. And and I was nervous, and I thought, what am I going to do? And we started over here. You had to stand up, tell everybody your name and where you were from. The whole place was full of visitors. I mean, I was scared to death, and finally it got to me. I stood up, and I threw up all over the floor. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I wanted to. I wanted to. We were singled out. I think that most of us understand the fear of being singled out. And then I think, for me, maybe my greatest fear has been the fear of being shut out. I'll never forget several years ago, this is a true story. Several years ago, we had a man visit with us one Sunday morning who was desperate to find Jesus. He was desperate. I had the good fortune to be able to talk to him. You could see it in his eyes, you could hear it in his voice. He was, as we would term it here at Springwell, he was spiritually thirsty. He certainly didn't know anything about Jesus. He was looking. He was confused about a lot of things, but he had a hunger and a thirst in his heart. He he really, really wanted to know. He'd been visiting a lot of churches in the area. And if I'm not mistaken, it was the Sunday before he visited Springwell or maybe that very morning that he visited another church. And they told him that he had to leave. They told him he had to leave because of the way that he was dressed. And they literally said, we don't want your kind. Your kind's not welcome in our church. I think a lot of us have probably struggled with the fear of being shut out, of not being chosen to be on the team of not being accepted into the group, the the fear of of being shut out. And it's a it's a lonely place to be. And so we try to cover up, right? And we try to cover up and we try to please people. We try to give people what they want or what we think that they expect all in an effort, all in an effort to just be loved. To be in a place where you could actually be who you really are, that you wouldn't have to have the fear of being found out. What, what if you could actually just be who you are and know that in spite of who you are, and all, in spite of all of your junk and all of your sin, all of your past, all of your messiness, that you would still be loved? I'll never forget that, man. It broke my heart. I couldn't believe that something like that would really happen. I mean, I heard stories. I didn't know that it could be real. So maybe you don't know if you struggle, so I want to give you several signs that you might be living for the, for the approval of others. The first one is simply this. You occasionally, I, I, I smile. <laughs> I wrote that yesterday and I'm still smiling because I know what some of you will say. I don't, I don't care what people think. So I said, you occasionally or often worry about what others think. And somebody is probably thinking right now, I don't. Care what other people think, but I would say that I doubt that's true 100 percent of the time. Maybe you're like me. You're a po- I don't know why I didn't know how to say this. I'm sorry, I'm tickling it myself. Um, you should be up here sometimes. I have a really good time, all by myself. <laughs> I just didn't invite y'all to join the party. So I wrote, I'm a pocket warrior. I don't know what that means. So I just made it up. And so I'm a pocket worrier of what people think. In in other words, words, let me define that because you don't have a clue what that means. I'm not sure I do. I don't care what most people think. I don't care what a lot of people think. But I definitely do care what some people think. I care what my family thinks. I care what my wife thinks. She doesn't think I do, but sometimes I really do care what she, what she thinks. I care what my girls think. There are other people in my life. There's, there's a handful of people, honestly, that I care what they think, and they can speak into my life and say anything that they want to, and they can because I know I know that they've accepted me and they love me for who I am. And honestly, my mom used to tell me this growing up. She said, Sonny, you know what your problem is? I go, Mom, I got a lot of them, I'm sure. But which specific problem are you referring to today? And so she would say, "You have that. You just, you just have that. I don't care attitude." And quite honestly, I did. And I can honestly stand up here and tell you. The people that know me well will tell you that I really don't care what a lot of people think. I mean, I really don't. I I talked to a fellow a few weeks ago, and he was commenting about you know, some things (laughs) about me personally. And I I didn't, I was nice, I was kind. I wanted to look at him and say, buddy, I appreciate it, but I don't care what you think. I really don't. I don't give a flip. I just don't. But here's the weird thing about me. The weird thing about me is that I find myself sometimes caring about what some people think that makes no sense to me. Anybody else? Like you don't even know their name. You don't even know their name. I Listen, I have been shook by the Holy Spirit, okay? Maybe it's the devil. At 2 o'clock in the morning, woke up with somebody's face in my head. And something I thought they said or maybe they said, I'm not sure what they meant by what they said, right? It's not what they said, it's... Yeah, and so I'm going and I'm thinking, you idiot, you're, you're laying here awake at 2 o'clock in the morning, Worried about something that somebody may or may not have said and you don't even know who they are. That's crazy. Why do we do that? I have no idea. How many of you would say that, you know what? You got me. Sometimes I I do care too much about what people think. If that's you, just slip up your hand. If you're not raising your hand right now, you're afraid of what we think. (laughs) Just kidding. Second sign that you might be living for the approval of others is that you're often, often overly sensitive. Wow, I hate to admit this. See, I've got to have more time to prepare for these messages so I can talk to some of y'all and talk about your junk. (laughs) Leave me out of it. I didn't have anybody. It was just me for the last few hours, and so there you go. You know what's been amazing to me over the years you know, it doesn't matter how many people attend Springwell on a Sunday morning. not have how many, It doesn't matter if every single one of those walk up to me after the message and say, "Dude, you're the man." I mean, like you are the man. You are a preaching machine. <laughs> I mean, you are the. You. I mean, you are awesome today. Everybody could say that, but the one person. Are y'all with me? And I think, why do I let that one person bother me? I don't know. I guess it's because I'm still seeking the approval of others sometimes. It's crazy. You know, maybe for you it's different. Maybe it's, you know, it's that new outfit that you know you look good in. You know, you went to the store and you bought it. You know, you looked in the mirror and you said, ooh, I look good. And then, and then the sales clerk said, you know, those jeans are so slenderizing on you. And you said, I'll take five pairs. And so you bought those jeans, you know, and you got the right shirt and I mean and you, you go out and you're out with your friends, and you're just... <laughs> you know, you're just doing everything you can, maybe some new shoes and you know you're <laughs> cross your legs and maybe you just want to take one off <laughs> and show it. And nobody says anything. And nobody said anything. They didn't say anything negative, but they didn't say anything positive. And in your mind, you come up with all the things that they were saying. What was that idiot thinking when he bought those shoes? I wonder who told him he looked good in those jeans. Right? Sometimes we're just a little oversensitive because we're seeking, living for the approval of others. Third sign that you might live in, be living for the approval of others is you, you compromise your values. There's something maybe that you believe deeply in. Deeply. But you compromise it for the approval of others. Maybe you're a single lady and you really love Jesus. I mean, you really, really, really love Jesus. And you want to honor Jesus with your purity. You want to save yourself or your husband, but you're dating a guy who says, Baby, I love you. I love you. I mean, I love you. I love you so much. I can't wait because I love you. And if you love me as much as I love you, then you compromise. Because what you need is the approval of others so bad. Guys, what is it for you? Maybe you're standing in a group and a group of guys are telling, maybe they're telling dirty jokes and, Everybody's laughing and you feel uncomfortable. You know it's not right. It really is against your values. Or maybe, maybe it's even worse than that. Maybe somebody walks by and maybe that person is, is struggling with a weight issue and so maybe they make fun and maybe they say nasty, ugly things or, or maybe they make a racial comment. It's, it's totally unnecessary. It's nasty and it, it makes you nauseous and sick and you want to say something but you don't and you just shrivel up and you compromise your values because you long for the approval of others and you're afraid that if you spoke up you'd be shut out. Or you really believe that being debt-free is the right thing. You want to be debt-free, you long to be debt-free. You want to manage wisely what God's blessed you with, but you keep end up you keep Buying things that you really don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like. I know, think about that. It's good. You compromise your values because you want people to like you based on what you have the car you drive, the clothes you wear, the neighborhood you live in. And it's killing you, it's killing you financially, it's putting a strain on your relationships. All because you want to impress people. Finally, you might be looking for the approval of others. Oh my goodness, I wrote this one just for me. If you have a hard time saying no. Boy, I've struggled with that. I have so struggled with that. I love people. I love the people that God's given me to pastor, to shepherd, to love. I don't know that I use the term in my head, shepherd, pastor. I feel like it's, the people that God's given me to love and I want to love you faithfully I want to love you consistently over the long haul and so for me to say no was, for a number of years was I just couldn't I just could never tell anybody no and maybe you've been that way too you long for the approval of others you want people to like you and I knew that as a pastor all I had to do was to say I'm sorry I can't I, I, can't, I can't be at your third cousin's toenail removal I, I can't I can't be there And and then suddenly, people go crazy, and people that you thought loved you and accepted you would talk about you like you were a dog and say, well, you don't love love me, you don't love our people, you don't love our church, you're just one of those, and just go off on you. Because I couldn't say no, because I was afraid. I needed the approval of others. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, The fear of man will prove to be a snare. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. That word snare, it's an interesting word. I love it. It's an interesting word in the Hebrew. It carries with it the thought of a ring that somebody would place in the nose of an animal to pull that animal and to lead that animal around. So in other words... Fearing people is letting other people lead you around, literally lead you around by the nose. So how do we overcome the disease to please? That's my best thought all day. I just liked it. I just thought it was awesome. Let's just say it together. The disease to Isn't that awesome? That's all I got. If you want to cure the disease to please, I just got one thought. but it's a big one. I want to try to develop it over the next few minutes and I hope that you'll, the Holy Spirit will breathe on it and I hope that it'll bring life to you. And really, I hope that what it'll do more than anything is bring freedom, freedom to your weary, tired soul. Here's the thought. Focus on what God did, not on what you've done. Focus on what God did, not on what you've done. Galatians 1, the apostle Paul said this. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And it's okay, so you're lost right now. Let me help you catch you up. Just so you know, Paul planted this little church in Galatia. And then he moved on to another church. And that's what Paul would do. Paul would go somewhere, stay for a period of time. He would lead people to Jesus, he would plant this little church, he would start this little church, he would develop leaders, and then he would go to another place and he would start another church. While he had moved on, gone to another place to start, to plant another church, and then he heard that these people in Galatia were being led astray by, by this teaching from some, really some, from, from, they were religious folks, not bad folks, really. They were just religious And here's basically what they said. They said, Jesus is awesome. We believe in Jesus, yay, Jesus. But it's not just Jesus that saves. I mean, like, he's awesome. Don't get us wrong. Like, we believe that Jesus is awesome. It's just, the thing of it is, is that Jesus is not enough on his own. I mean, yay, Jesus, okay? So you got Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross. Man, that's awesome. But here's the thing. It's Jesus plus the law, and that's, what, that's salvation. And, and before you beat these people up, you have to understand that for thousands of years, that's all they knew was following the law. And the law, if you're brand new to church, you've heard of the Ten Commandments, right? Those were, those were really Ten Commandments. It was the law that was given to the people by Moses that would help them to know how to live, how to live a righteous, good, honest life how to relate to God, how to relate to each other. It was awesome. And then the Jews, because they really were were set on knowing they wanted to keep those 10, they came up with over 600 more. Wow, I struggled with the 10. How about y'all? 600 more, not because they were trying to be legalistic in the beginning, because they were doing everything they could to keep the 10, because the 10 kept them righteous and in a right standing for God. So then they accused Paul of not preaching circumcision to make it easy for Gentiles to join the church. And I just threw you a curveball and you're going, what? Like, how did we get to circumcision? Like, what did that have to do? Where is that? Is that in the Bible? You want to avoid all the men who, if you haven't been circumcised, go. So what is that all about? Let me see if I can give you a little bit of history. So back in the day, if you were a non-Jewish man and you wanted to become Jewish, If you wanted to be right with God, in a right standing with God. And these people would do that. They weren't born Jewish. But they would look at the Jews and they would say, you know what? I'm buying into your God. I think like your God is the God of all God's. I mean, there's other gods, other people worshiping other gods, but your God is the God. I want to become Jewish. And and these Jewish folks would say, cool, you can do that, but there's going to be some things you're going to have to do. There's going to be some hoops that you're going to have to jump through. And for several hundred years, those things would kind of change. There might be a list of maybe 10, 15, 20 things, but there were about five things that were pretty consistent for several hundred years. And the top thing on that list, if you were a non-Jewish male of any age, of any age with circumcision. Well, that's not going to be the kind of thing you want to stand up on a Sunday morning and say, all of you that want to accept Jesus, come down and be circumcised. You know, and so here's what the people saying, you know what, you just, you're just trying to appease men. You want to grow your church. You want people to come to the church. And so you're cutting out the circumcision thing. And Paul said, that is not true. I am preaching the truth. And he nails them to the wall with these words. Galatians 1, he says, I'm astonished. I cannot believe that you're so quickly removed from the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is really not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's it's another gospel. It's a perverted gospel. And I I can't believe that you would embrace this truth and you would turn to a different gospel. What are you thinking? So for all these thousands of years, you've had the burden of being good enough, of of working hard enough, obeying the law, and then you would mess up and, and and then there would be a lamb and it would be, That lamb's blood would be shed And then there would be the forgiveness of sin But you'd have to go through that every year and, And I'm telling you that the lamb of God Jesus was the lamb of God And he went to the cross He died on the cross one time to pay the penalty for sin It's done It's done You don't have to worry about the law anymore Not that trying to be righteous is a bad thing But you don't have to be on the performance treadmill anymore Stop it can be free from the law what are you thinking and then he says this speaking of these false teachers he says evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ but even if if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preach to you let him be under God's curse dude you can look this up any way you want to I'm telling you this is not good Literally, what Paul was saying, that person that's preaching that gospel should be damned. Did that hurt? Did that blow you away? Did that like, somebody just woke up and said, did he say what? what, Did he just say what I think he said? Yeah. strong language. Paul said, I'm not trying to please men. This is the truth. In Ephesians 2, he said it like this. He said, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. Stop it. it. It's the gift. It's the gift of God. It's a gift. You can't earn a gift. It's a gift, for Pete's sake. It is the gift of God, not by works. See, He knows what He's talking about. He's looking at a group of people that have have had the burden of the law for thousands of years. That I've got to I've got to do everything just right. And if I miss a if I miss a, a law, if I don't do something right, then then I. I'm gonna to go to hell. I'll, I'll, I'll be separated from God. I'm, I'm doing everything I can do, and it's not enough. And he said, that's the point of Jesus. You can be free. You can be free from that law. It's not the law's bad. He said that in Romans, it's not that the law is bad. It's good. But it's not salvation. It's about freedom from performance. When you're depending on your good works to save you, then honestly, folks, it's all about you. And you know those people, don't you? If you, don't, you know some religious people that are always looking there, down their self-righteous nose at you like you're a piece of junk? Huh? Do you know those people? And you know what they're doing? They're living with fear. They're living with fear being found out because sooner or later, somebody's going to realize they're not perfect. you live with the fear of not being enough and not doing enough, it's too much to carry. You'll never be good enough or do enough to deserve, to earn God's love. If you're a follower of Jesus, then God approves of you through Christ. You hear me? That's, that's, that's where you get your approval. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 4. He said, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God. Have mercy. I'm approved? Yeah. That's awesome, isn't it? You applied for that loan, you've been approved. And you just won't tell everybody, right? I mean, people go, you idiot. Do you know how much money you just borrowed? Yeah, but I was approved. (laughs) I was approved. They approved me for (laughs) $100,000. They're crazy. I just lost my job. But I've been approved. You know what I mean? I mean, approval is a big deal. Our approval is in Christ. If we trusted what Jesus did for us on the cross and surrendered our lives to him, then we are approved by God. And now we've been entrusted with the gospel, which I think is awesome. I got the best job. I get to tell y'all what I have found in Jesus. I get to do it every week. It's awesome. I get to do it all during the week. I get to sit down with people that are broken, people that are looking and searching for the approval of somebody else, and I get to look at them and say, what I want you to know is that God paid the price. Let me tell you the good news. Because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, my worth is not based on what people think about me. It's not. I have to remind myself of this more often than I want to admit. My worth is based on what God did for me and what God says about me. My worth is based on what God says about you. Your worth is based on that. Listen, you don't have to dance for the approval of others. You don't. So what does God have to say about you? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your brain is making new. And then, in case you don't know what that means, he says the old is gone. So you didn't didn't get that. You're a new creation. What does that mean? What it means is the old is gone. (laughs) The old is in the past. But you don't, I'm still doing the stuff I did back then. He said, Yeah, but what you don't understand was the price that Jesus paid on Calvary, paid for all of your past, all of your present, and all of your future. It's taken care of. Be free. You're brand new. Come on. Somebody ought to be excited. I love this one. Ephesians one seven. Let me tell you what he says. He says, you are forgiven. We can stop right there. What else do you need to know? You might be forgiven. You could be forgiven. Maybe you'll be forgiven. That's not what he says. He says, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Your sins are washed away. Ephesians 2.10. I've been sharing this with people a lot lately. Because God... He's so good to me in that he allows me to talk to the most broken people. And they don't look broken on the outside. They come into my office looking good. They look sharp. They look like they got it together. And then you start talking to them and you realize that what they're looking for, what they're longing for, is just for somebody to love them. And they're searching for the approval of others. And I get to look and say, let me tell you something. In Jesus, In Jesus, you are his workmanship. You are God's workmanship. You're his masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus. You're a masterpiece. What? You are a masterpiece. You know how long it's taken me to get that through my thick head? I know it for you. But then I had to, "Mm, wait a minute. So I'm a masterpiece. I am a masterpiece. I'm God's masterpiece. Yeah, but it's not because of anything I did. It's what Jesus did for me. He made me this way. It's pretty awesome. Romans 8, 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. (laughs) He lives in you. Oh, come on. The God, the creator of the universe, the God of all gods, like Mr. Awesome himself. (laughs) Is that right? It's not in my notes. I think I'm good. He lives in you. He abides in you. Why are you searching for the approval of others when you got the approval of God? What are you looking for 2 Corinthians 5 21, you are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. Wait a minute, in Christ. It's not about your righteousness. You don't put on the breastplate of your righteousness. You don't go to battle with the breastplate of your righteousness. You 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 will get shot up and killed. What you do is that when you go into battle, and when Satan starts to throw those fiery darts and to tell you how sorry you are, and he reminds you of your sin. You should put on the breastplate of God's righteousness and you can say, you know what? You're right. I am junk on my own. But in Christ, I'm righteous because it's his righteousness. It's not mine. Okay, one more. I know we've got to hurry, right? This is my favorite one. It's just so simple. Romans 1, 7. You are greatly loved by God. Come on now, what's better than that? I remember a few years ago, I was wore out, I was beat, I was whipped, I felt like a failure. Oh, I had to get better to feel like a failure. I mean, I was at the very bottom. I took some time off and I remember I was walking down this beach one day, all by myself, nobody on the beach but me. and my heavenly father whispered in my ear and this is what he said he said I love you and and you think well it was just you That was you talking to yourself how do you know it was God because I wouldn't come up with that on my own I was at the bottom. Don't you understand? I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel worthy of anybody's love. I didn't feel worthy of God's love. I didn't feel worthy of my wife's love or my children's love. I was at the very bottom. In fact, it was so real to me that I literally stopped. I turned around to look. I heard his word. He whispered in my ear. He told me that he loved me. And from that day, I just said, what else matters? Why do I care anymore about what anybody else thinks? So maybe you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus that you would say, truth is, I do battle maybe way more than I want to admit with what others think. If that's you, I promise you, this is a safe place. If that's you, could you just slip up your hand? no I'm not everybody's heads up I'm not bowing heads and closing eyes can I pray for us Lord I know that freedom is so sweet freedom Lord being on the performance treadmill trying to seek out the approval of others or wear you out. Lord, for those of us that have just been honest to say that we care way too much sometimes what other people think. Lord, I pray that we can focus on what you did and not what we've done. Lord, would you speak to hearts? Would you be able to take this message in some way, God, and be able to use it as food to nourish a a thirsty, hungry soul. And God, it would be so cool if right now you could just whisper into someone's ear and just tell them that you love them. That would just be awesome. Maybe here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus. And maybe you're Your thought has been, I've just, there's no way. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for the love of God. There's no way he could love somebody like me. I just want you to know that that's a lie. I want you to know that God's crazy about you. He's absolutely crazy about you, and he proved his love. Those aren't just words on a page. He sent his son. He said, I love you so much, and there's a problem In our relationship, and it's your problem with sin. And so I love you so much that what I'm going to do is send my son to take care of the sin problem. And Jesus said, I love you so much that I'm willing to go to the cross and to pay your sin debt. That's a crazy kind of love, isn't it? And on the third day, he was raised from the dead and he's alive. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. And you just need to be loved. You need to feel acceptance. Then I'm telling you, He's the one you need to run to. If you're this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be. And Maybe you'd pray a prayer or something like this, just right there, silently, quietly, right there in your seat. You'd say something like this. Maybe it's just Heavenly Father. <laughs> sweet, sweet Jesus. Please forgive me of my sin. I need you. I desperately need you. I want to thank you for your love that's more than I can comprehend. I can't even wrap my brain around it. I just have to accept it. And from this day forward, to the best of my ability, I just want to follow you. Lord, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, God. For the kind of love that, Lord, I still... I still feel so inadequate when I try to explain it, to describe it. I can't paint a good picture of it. It just never seems to be enough. It's Your love is too great. It's too wonderful. It's too extreme. But I sure am thankful for it. We love you. It's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen.